What's up, everybody, and welcome to the podcast, Dog Mom Mentality, where we strive to play with dogs and not emotions. I am your virtual bestie, Caroline, and I have my furry friend here, Layla, and we are going to give you a break from your day to talk about all things dogs and emotional well-being. If you have ever been emotionally affected by your dog, then this is the podcast for you. Hello, dog moms, dog dads, dog owners. Welcome back to another episode of the Dog Mom Mentality Podcast. And if you are new here, welcome. I am so honored that you are here listening to an episode. Before I forget, it is fresh on my mind. I just got done creating these playlists of all of the different podcast episodes uh, and all the like various topics that I have talked about or guests have talked about on the podcast. So if you are interested in checking out those playlists, it's basically just my episodes broken down into different categories. You can check that out in the link in the show notes. It'll have you put your email address in and then it'll send you an email with links to the playlist on Spotify and Apple. You can click on whichever one you prefer and then it'll show you all the different playlists so there are six there's one for reactive dog owners and when you need inspiration there is one all about mental health there's one about uh, new dogs like new dog ownership getting a puppy um, if you're like getting a dog for the first time tips and tricks let's see there's one about about careers and dogs, one about therapy dogs, and then one that is all solo episodes that I've done. So if you are interested, you can go to that link, sign up, and then check out those different playlists, save them. And that way it's easier for you if you are really looking to listen to something specific, like if you are needing inspiration um, because you've had a really hard or challenging time with your dog, then you could go to the uh, one for reactive dog owners and listen through all of those episodes. There's like 10 hours worth. Um, And you know what? You'll feel good. You'll feel better. (laughs) So I'm really excited to be able to put those together for you. And I will keep adding on as more episodes come out. So be sure to save those playlists and come back later whenever uh, more episodes come out. Maybe check back in like once a month and see which episodes landed in what category. Let's talk about those happies and crappies. So my crappy was that I've just been feeling very overwhelmed. I've had lots of stuff to do. Um, And so I ended up taking a small little break from Instagram and TikTok and kind of just like off my phone in general. And that helped me so, so much. Actually, when I'm recording this, I am still kind of on my Instagram break. I am going to hop back in tomorrow, but I haven't been checking it as much. I haven't really been posting And so taking that like intentional break has really helped me out to like clear my headspace and um, I wasn't feeling really creative. And so this break has brought some of that back out and I've gotten a lot of my to do's done. So I felt productive instead of like scrolling on Instagram, which is really, really nice. You know, Um, I kind of amazed me about how many things on my to-do list I actually could get done if I wasn't scrolling on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and all the different platforms. So that's my happy. So my crappy turned into a happy, I guess. 
Um, and that intentional break was really, really nice. I totally recommend you doing it if you ever feel like your headspace is just a jumbled mess. I am looking at the happies and crappies that you all submitted to me. And I'm not going to read through them all today, but I am seeing a few patterns, unfortunately. And I say unfortunately because the patterns are in the crappies. So some of the crappy things that I saw a few people say is that they have COVID. And that is so unfortunate. I am so sorry. I hope you guys are feeling so much better. I saw like two or three people submit it in my crappies. I also... Uh, know that my podcast editor has it so I hope you guys are all starting to feel better especially my podcast editor because I know that you're listening to this (laughs) another crappy that I saw is just I think this might be from where more people are out and about because it's the summertime there have been a lot of off-leash dog interactions and uh, I think there were maybe even like four or five people that said that they had an off-leash encounter with a dog and it was uh, really unfortunate and really scary. Um, Some people said that it went well, their dog recovered quickly. Some people said it like really set them back. So that is a crappy that a lot of people are going through right now. For the happies, there were lots of people going on vacations, weddings. There were like a lot of like fun picnics, fun outings with your friends somebody said they got a new camera like a lot of really fun things but there were definitely some patterns in the crappies today's episode is one that you might want to take notes on and I know a lot of my episodes are more like storytelling and talking about personal experiences and this one definitely has that as well but the way that we structured this episode was intentionally for you all to learn about this fabulous program that our guest has made. Today's guest is Jess from Handlers and Humans, and she is a licensed professional counselor who lives in Pennsylvania with her husband, her eight-year-old pit mix, Dio, and her cat named Bat. Animals and therapy are two of Jess's passions, and she has brought them together in many ways, such as getting certified in animal-assisted therapy by doing equine psychotherapy work, training her reactive dog to become a therapy dog, and now as a coach who supports dog owners struggling with the human side of their training journey. Oh my gosh, my heart is like exploding. Jess's dog Dio is a reactive boy who has worked hard to earn his CGC and pass the therapy dog evaluations, but made it very clear that therapy work wasn't a fit for him. So now he's a happy house dog, loving life and hanging out with his cat all day. Guys, this episode, like I said, you might want to get out like a pen and paper because she really talks about some of the tangible and like action steps that you can take to help yourself when you want to like help and train your dog. Um, So this is a great episode for reactive dog owners. We talk a lot about mental health and like the psychology behind a lot of things because of Jess's background and education and work in the therapy and counseling space, she knows how to apply various techniques for a lot of the practices that I talk about on my Instagram and on the podcast, such as like calming your nervous system, recovering from training burnout, how to calm your mind while you're on a walk with your dog, how to change your mindset, how to get over judgment. She just is 
a wealth of knowledge. I just like can't get over it. We are extremely aligned in our motivations and our communities. And honestly, I feel like I just need to shut myself up and get onto the episode. Be sure to listen all the way through because she does give a special offering at the very end. I'm so excited that I'm able to share this with my listeners. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, please make sure to reach out to Jess or myself and like let us know what all you learned from this episode. I would love to pass on the information to her and I can't wait for you to hear about her amazing program. So let's get into this episode with Jess. Okay, everyone, we have such a fabulous guest on today who is a dog owner, but she's also a therapist and she also has her own program that combines uh, psychology and therapy and emotional well-being with dog ownership. It's just like we were so aligned in like everything that we're working towards yeah. and our mission and everything. Um, so I'm so excited to have you on today. So everyone, welcome Jess. Thank you so much for having me. I agree. We are, I was when I discovered your account and discovered your podcast, I was like, well, we need to connect. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. Yeah, we actually did um, a discovery type call, I would say, Mm -hmm. maybe what, like two weeks ago? Um, And it was like, we should have recorded bits of it on the podcast, like, uh, really, um, because it was such a great conversation at times. But I'm sure the conversation that we're going to have today is going to be amazing. So I'm super excited to have you on and talk to you again. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So if you just, you know, want to say a bit about yourself, um, you and your family, your family that's on the way. Oh my um, goodness. And then any fun things that you have planned for this summer? Yeah. So anyway, thank you so much for being here. Just want to start with that again. So I'm Jess Adam. I'm a licensed uh, professional counselor in the state of Pennsylvania. So that's like my title officially in some ways. And I, um, see a handful of private therapy clients and I also teach counseling on a graduate level. So this is like, I eat, sleep, breathe mental health stuff. Uh, And I live with my husband, uh, my reactive dog, Dio, and our cat named Bat. And uh, we are expecting twins in the fall. (laughs) So that's wild and super exciting. And it's going to be a big life transition for everyone. I'm sure I'm going to need like all of my coping skills and then some to be managing that sort of thing so yeah so that's that's where we're at and um you know I really love working with dog owners I love working with counseling students I love working with clients like I just feel like I'm getting to like bring together all of my passions and things like that um in doing this work and also the work I do in therapy yeah I feel like I talk about a lot of you know, kind of like the bigger ideas or topics and then you have like the strategies for them which I find like so interesting. Like it's such a great pairing, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think people that listen to this podcast or like follow my content, like showing them you, they'll be like, that's who I need. Or like, that's what I need. (laughs) And all of my group participants love your podcast so much. So they are all super excited that I'm going to be on it and like those worlds are colliding so I love it yeah yeah so it's it's like this great overlap that's happening yeah yeah Yeah. and I think that like 
you know, your work and like, there's a lot of amazing trainers out there who talk about like mental health for dog owners all the time. Um, but something that I hadn't seen was like, what's the concrete mm-hmm. tool? What, where's the how, right? Where's the skills right. and stuff. And I, I will get into like how all of those things came to be, but, um, that's kind of where I want to come in a yeah, little bit for the sure. conversation. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I love being able to present these like tools and tips and kind of be like the inspiration for, or like, you know, the, the person that shows these types of things. Um, and, and I really just fell in love with everything that you have done so far. Thank you. So, um, before we talk more about like your program a little bit, I do want to ask, like, since you've worked in the mental health space, um, within like counseling and therapy, have you ever had to deal with like the stigma of it from like family members or friends or like people who just mm-hmm. didn't get it? <laughs> yes, big time. Absolutely. And I, I love this question actually, because to answer it from my perspective, right. I've experienced this from like a professional side and a personal side. Right. So, you know, I myself have really proudly been in therapy on and off for, you know, since I was 15 and I didn't always have the support that I should have had for, for doing that. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I'll still have people in my life and my family who are saying, you're still doing that. Why are you still going to that? (laughs) You know, and stuff. And so there's, there's a little bit of judgment there that still shows up in my personal life, despite the fact that I'm a therapist and it's something I really value. It's something that's really important to me. And my ongoing growth and healing process is ongoing forever. And even though I might take breaks sometimes, you know, it's a priority for me to check in with that. So that's really what I tell people in my personal life. Like this is a value of mine. This Mm -hmm. matters to me. And then professionally, that's an interesting experience too, because, you know, I've worked in companies that maybe have like a mental health component to them. Um, to almost like make them look like, look, we've got this cool thing, this mental health right, support. And yeah. And it's not necessarily as supported as it should be uh, or prioritized in those spaces. And I've also worked in settings where, you know, some of the folks who were coming in for, for um, treatment and for support didn't necessarily want to be there. They didn't necessarily mm-hmm. believe in, you know, the work that we were doing together. So joining right. and engaging with, with people who, were there, but maybe weren't super happy about it or <laughs> didn't really believe in it. Um, it's challenging. So that stigma runs really deep in the field and outside the field too. Um, and honestly, I'll, I won't get on a tangent about this, but you know, therapist work is often very undervalued in our society. Mm-hmm. So I think that contributes to the stigma too, right? Is that oh, yeah. our work is not always um, seen as valuable. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's everywhere. I remember the first time that I told my therapist, like, hey, just like, thank you. Like, thank you for like the tip that you gave me today. (laughs) And she, I remember it so clearly because she said, oh, like I, she like didn't know how to react. She was like, I don't know if like anyone's like ever told me like, thank you. Yeah. Like, wait, like, I really do appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, she, I'm sure really appreciated hearing that. And I, I, anytime that I've gotten, I've, I've just had like such amazing, wonderful clients over the years. Like I've been really blessed with that. And anytime I sort of get that feedback, which is not something I need, I do the work because mm-hmm. I love the work, but, um, it is really appreciated. And I keep a little, you know, mental filing cabinet right. to kind of go back to those moments for when it's hard sometimes. So mm-hmm. Yeah. 
yeah, you kind of need that like um, positive proof or like yeah. gratitude yeah. that you can just kind of reflect on whenever things yeah. are going bad to to make you mm-hmm. keep going. Exactly. I had never thought about you working with people that didn't want to be there. That was something that didn't yeah. even cross my mind whenever I was kind of like formulating this question and like mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, what kind of talking points we could go off of it. And that never even ran across my mind. So I'm really glad that you brought mm-hmm. that up because I want to kind of explore that like situation a little bit more. Sure. Um, because I do know people who like, especially like rehab situations, right? Like whether it's like alcohol or drugs who are in like a therapy type situation that don't want to be there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and not necessarily something like for us to talk about right now, but just like kind of something to keep in the back of my head and maybe people listening, like that's something that they've never thought of. So I'm really glad that you brought that up because it makes me makes me think a little bit. Yeah, it's really, it's tough. Um, and there's lots of different ways that can show up. So like you mentioned in substance abuse work, which is actually an area that I'm not an expert in. So I haven't mm-hmm. experienced it there, although it is definitely um, something that shows up there. Right. I'm sure. Um, working with, you know, kids and teenagers who are being sent there by their parents, right. working with, working with parents who need to participate in therapy for the sake of their kids, but don't really right. believe in it. I mean, there's so many ways that that can really show up. Um, and, you know, it's just important to feel good about planting a seed, even if you don't necessarily know where or when, or if that seed will grow into something in the future, um, and know that that's, that's still valuable work. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Whenever I was thinking about this question, I feel like there are so many parallels in the, like overcoming the stigma of mental health Mm -hmm. or whether you have like a certain breed or whether you like train a certain way, or, you know, there's like a lot of different parallels with, dog ownership. So I wanted to to start off with that question just to kind of get some wheels turning. Yeah. No, the parallel I will say that the parallels are still blowing my mind as I'm diving deeper and deeper into this work with dog owners and with dog trainers. What dog trainers go through is so similar to what mm-hmm. we experience as, as therapists um, that it, it it's wild to me. And as dog owners, like you said, like there's, there's still stigma, there's stigma for your breed, there's stigma for your dog's behavior. There's so many pieces that play into it. And, you know, a big focus is on the training and as it should be right. But there's a lot more going on, um, that people are dealing with. For sure. So we, I've already said, like, we are so aligned in like our mission and like our passions and what we're doing. Um, in this space. So I want to know what was your motivation for starting your platform and starting your program that fuses um, like mental health and dog ownership? Yeah, honestly, the short version, which, you know, is, I don't know if it's good or bad, but it was my own experience. Right. <laughs> honestly, as a Same. Dog owner, it <laughs> started, right, exactly. Right. It started there. So Dio is eight now. Um, and we've come a really long way. We're in a really different place, but we certainly still have a lot of challenges. But in the first, those first couple of years were incredibly hard for me. Um, and I know like everyone probably listening to this has a similar experience mm-hmm. or they're going, or they're going through it right now. 
Um, I didn't know what reactivity was. I had this dream that he was going to be my therapy dog coming to work with me every day. And my own mental health stuff, my own anxiety, which I really struggle with um, in, in many areas of my life, flared up so much. It was so impacted by by him and what I was going through with him. And I did hit this point where something really had to give. Like I hit a wall mm-hmm. with with his behavior, but also like mainly my reaction to, to that behavior and my own um, challenges that I was having it with it. So I basically started applying the skills and the mindset work that I do with my clients in therapy to my relationship with him, to my training work with him really intentionally. Like I made it a point to apply those things. And people think that as a therapist, you're supposed to just like know how to cope with stuff, right? You're supposed to um, not struggle with things like that. And remember, you have all these skills and tools and, you know, it seems obvious, but it's not sometimes like we get clouded too, and we forget to do the work too sometimes. So I really needed to be able to do that to kind of like be handle the the ride, the roller coaster of like reactive dog life, basically. So, um, you know, like I said before, like there's so many amazing trainers and accounts out there that are talking about mental health and owners, and there isn't necessarily the concrete resource for how to cope with the the emotional aspect of things. So that's kind of how the project was born. Like it was what I needed and didn't have. Yes. I relate that to that time. so much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you're like, well, this isn't out there. So I'm going to start talking about it. Right. You totally. Know? And like, you know, even I'm as like a step down from you in that, you know, I didn't go to school for this. I don't have like training in psychology or therapy or counseling. So these skill sets, I'm still reaching all over for. Yeah, but and you're so you're so knowledgeable about it, though. Like, I don't want not a step down. <laughs> well, okay, but what I'm saying is that, like, it's funny that, like, even you who had all of this skill set, still was like, I need help. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And Absolutely. I think like that is one of like the first steps of saying like I have hit this wall. I do need help. Like, where can I pull from kind of thing? Exactly. Yeah. And we, and we all need that sometimes, right? It doesn't even, it doesn't matter, you know, what your background or training is or what you've worked through before all those things. And so I really, I really got intentional about it. Mm -hmm. I really buckled down with myself and was like, I need to, I need to address my internal stuff here because it's a part of the picture and Mm -hmm. I know it is. And I, I do have skills to um, manage it and work through it. And I still have to use them all the time now. <laughs> like, it's not, you know, it's not as though like I've arrived and Dio has arrived. Right. And like, no longer struggling. Right. But I think that the more we support dog owners with these tools and educate trainers on that human element and how to support their, um, their clients and, and the dogs will have a better outcome. Right. The, mm-hmm. It's going to be. Um, better for everyone. Everyone's going to find more joy, success, um, and in their work, in their training journey. So it's kind of a win-win for everybody in that way. <laughs> kind of where my motivation comes from. Yeah, I always think about it as like a trickle effect, right? So like mm. you make a difference in you know just one dog owner's life, and like they take that patience or that emotional maturity or whatever like the case may be, yeah. and apply it to 
somebody at work or like a family member or, you know, somebody's child, et cetera, et cetera, whatever the case may be. I really see it as like a a trickle effect. Right. Right. Yeah. And absolutely. Like the things that I'm talking about, like in my programs and in my coaching work, they're not specific concepts to dog, the dog world. Oh yeah. Right. They can apply to anyone. (laughs) Exactly. Like I'm applying them to the dog world and I'm helping people think about their relationships with their dogs and their experiences with their dogs in a different way in this sort of um, context, mm-hmm. but you can absolutely use all of it in other areas of your life. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's why I love so much about like talking about this is mm-hmm. because like my, my overarching goal is to like improve mental health. Like that's, you know, my main, my main thing is like yeah. mental health improvement um, with myself for other people. And I'm just like using Layla and talking about dogs as a vehicle, right? I'm just right. using it as something that's very relatable, something that a lot of people in the world like go through. Like, I, you know, I don't know like what the percentage of people have dogs, but it's pretty high percent, right? It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. like a, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's been like, and I didn't intend on that, which is so funny. Mm. And it's one of the things that, it's like, I always knew that I wanted to talk about mental health in some capacity. And this was just like, it, it was the perfect place to do it. And I didn't intend on it being that way. But one day I like got confident enough to start talking about it. And then ever since, like, I've been so happy with that decision. It sounds like it really like was an organic kind of, you know, it kind of came to you organically to be able to talk about these topics in context with you and Layla and reach so many people in a really specific, really important way. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy and something that I've been reflecting on a lot recently and I'm just like so grateful for it. Yeah. So it makes me warm and fuzzy. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, one thing that I, I thought of whenever you were kind of going through um, like your set of toolbox and your experience uh, with UNDO was you know, it does take a lot of strength and a lot of practice to turn inwards and like look and see what you can improve on instead of playing mm-hmm. like a blame game and being like, well, everything would be better if my dog just had better training or right. everything would be better if like we just had this one, one thing in our neighborhood that wasn't bothering us or like right, this one, right. one tool that we could use to, you know, whatever. And, um, it's so crazy to me because that was definitely my mentality whenever I first went into like this roadblock with Layla, whenever like I was going through this super hard time, this really big roadblock. And I was like, I need this trainer. I need her to tell me what to do. And I was in such a heightened state of anxiety from Layla, but then also from other things going on in my life at that time. Right. Right. That like, I didn't even have like the knowledge to like, look inward and be like, how is everything that I'm, how is this environment that like we're both in? It's so chaotic. Mm -hmm. Like it's affecting both of us. Right. Right. And that's, I think we all get stuck in that sometimes. It's like Mm -hmm. sort of this all or nothing thinking trap that happens. Um, we talk about, I talk about that with people a lot and I also experience that a lot where we get really fixated on something and it's like, if this were better then everything were better. Right. You know, nothing will ever change unless this, right? It's Mm -hmm. very, very all or nothing. And that's never helpful. It's never accurate. 
Right. Um, and it's always, you know, it's always nuanced. There's always a gray area. So yeah, you needed some training support in those moments. Like we're definitely not discounting that, mm-hmm. but there was probably also things going on with you that were, right. you know, have, like you said, having an impact too. For sure. I even notice that whenever I am like anxious or feeling rushed in life overall, I tend to blame small setbacks on other things. Like, for instance, we had, I was very rushed the other day. I was walking Layla and a dog came out from behind a corner that startled both of us. But Layla had like a pretty bad reaction and she typically doesn't react to dogs. And like, I could just tell the rest of the day, I was like, that dog wouldn't have came out from Mm -hmm. behind the corner. Our day would have been perfect. That kind of like mentality of like, if that one thing wouldn't have happened this morning, we would have had a great day. But because Mm -hmm. that one thing you know, and Layla reacted, our day was shit. <laughs> right, right. All or nothing, right? right? So like the entire day was ruined because of yes. this piece. Yeah. Yeah. We all do that. Everyone does that. And we do it about all kinds of different things, right? Like not just about our dogs. So it's important to be able to catch those things. And I talk a lot about awareness being the the first step. Like it's the foundation for any inner work that you will ever do, (laughs) Mm -hmm. whether it comes to your dog or something else. Like if you're not aware of something that's going on with you, there's nothing you can do about it. And it gets to be behind the scenes, like pulling strings and influencing stuff without you having any knowledge about what's going on. So if you can cultivate more awareness of what your thoughts are doing, what your emotions are doing, um, and just starting there, just shining a light on what your mindset is, is like that day or what your emotional state is can really make a difference in and of itself. Like just, just becoming aware of it, not Mm -hmm. even doing anything about it. So yeah, kind of being able to turn inward and really ask yourself what's going on with me (laughs) is super, super important. Right. So you've thrown out, like I talk a lot about X or I talk a lot about Y in my program. So I really want to know all about your program like just kind of a high level overview because sure. you find it or you describe it as the training your dog sends you to, yes. which I think is perfect. It's like super oh, catchy. <laughs> so yeah, give us like an overview of like what you do in the program and like what kind of problems you solve. Sure. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that phrase for a second because I like to talk about kind of where it comes from for me and what it means to me and and where and a little disclaimer about it too. So the the training your dog sends you to, it's kind of it kind of comes from that idea that we all hear all the time in the dog world that right, our emotional state is impacting our dogs. Mm-hmm. So my disclaimer to that, and I've talked about this like on my Instagram a lot and things like that, is that can be a harmful message, right? People can really latch on to that. Um, and telling owners that their anxiety or their frustration or like whatever it is is causing the dog's issue, right? Yes, I ran into that before and I was like, I hate this. I hate this person's comment. This person is wrong. I don't want anybody to listen to this person's comment. Like yeah. Right. And I (laughs) and when you hear it at first as you're just starting this journey, right? how easy, and I've done this, like this was me. I was like, oh, if I were just less anxious, he wouldn't right. be reactive. Okay. So, you know, I can be cool as a cucumber. And like, I am at this point walking. I mean, I still struggle, but like when I'm walking him, I'm not as anxious as I used to be. 
And he's still going to have a reaction sometimes, right? So we know it's about a lot more than that. But then the next piece is there is some truth to that idea that when you're in relationship with someone, whether it's a dog or a person or another animal, your emotional state impacts them and vice versa. So it's, I don't want people to take it so far where it's like they put it on themselves and they take the responsibility for, um, you know, being like, I'm anxious. And so that means my dog is a mess, but okay, you are a piece of the puzzle, right? Right. So if you're, if your dog could send you to training, right, is kind of my thought process, what would they want you to learn? And I think that the most valuable thing that you could learn from your own sort of work and training would be that your dog would love for you to learn effective ways to cope with your emotions, to manage your mindset so that your training journey together is going to be more joyful, more, you know, smooth. You're going to be able to like hang on for the long term, like the Mm -hmm. long haul. Um, And, you know, I think that you would both thrive, right? If you can approach your dog and approach your training from that healthy, balanced space, like internally, right? Because when you're, when you're training from there, it's a big difference from when you're training from like the frustrated, anxious, exhausted, like that place all the time. Right. So the work that I try to do that I'm hoping to do more and more of in handlers and humans is, is unique because it's that intersection of mental health and dog training. So it's where it comes together. We're not just talking about it, but we're also learning those evidence-based concrete skills, you know, and I'm not a dog trainer. I'm here for like the human element um, of that. So you know, I could, do you want me to get into specifics about kind of what the programs look like? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. But I wanted to touch on a word that you said, you said balanced and I love Mm -hmm. that word so much. Um, and it goes back to, you know, your emotions do affect your dog. Like that is a piece of the puzzle. But part of having this like whole mentality is, being able to like look at that and and acknowledge that it comes into play, but also giving yourself grace. Absolutely. And and that's like the balance. Um, Right. Yes. I latch onto that word so much. And I think that it's super important for people to hear that over and over and over again, Mm -hmm. because we're the type, if we care about our dogs, we're the type to put them before ourselves all the time. Oh yeah. Right. And that's nothing wrong with that. Right. This is a well-intentioned, thing that we're doing but the problem is then the balance is shifted completely to their needs their fulfillment their emotional state that like all of it right and then you leave yourself out of the equation a hundred percent of the time you're going to burn out doing that Mm -hmm. right and especially when you're working with a dog that's challenging that might have some behavioral stuff like I always say to people, I'm like, you're in this for the long haul with them. So you need to be able to be in for the long haul with them. And you're not going to do that by just like training, 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 focusing so hard on them all the time and never stepping back to recognize your needs, your piece in it, you know, all of those things. So yeah, that's what, that's kind of what the balance means to me as well is prioritizing both of us because it's, it's my responsibility to give him the best life that I can. And part of that responsibility means I have to take the best care of myself that I can. Right. Otherwise I can't do it for him. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, that's, that really, that's why that comes into play for me too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've like really latched onto that word a lot here recently. So I just Mm -hmm. wanted to like bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, yes, I love that word. I'm all about it. 
Um, Okay. So yeah, your programs. So you have like the main program. You also Mm -hmm. have like one-on-one calls, I think, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. So just walk us through all of them. Yeah, sure. So the main program, kind of the one that um, I'm, you know, focusing on a lot lately, um, in, in addition to my individual coaching is called Coping with Canines. Um, and it's a hybrid program. And by that, I mean, it's partially a like self-paced online course um, with a ton of information. And I'm really proud of it. And then it also pairs that learning of those like evidence-based concrete skills with a community support element. So we have a group coaching call um, every month and we have a private group that's really pretty active. And it's like this wonderful, beautiful space that I'm really proud of um, that's kind of being cultivated and developed in there where other dog owners who are, everyone's really aligned there, right? They care about and recognize their own mental health in the context of their dogs. So everyone is there kind of being each other's evidence-based cheerleader. I love that. Yeah. It's a really cool space and people really get to know each other's dogs. People post their wins. Like we had a great day today. Here's how it went. Everyone's chiming in to celebrate that. And then the opposite, right? We had a really rough day today and everyone's, everyone's weighing in and, and offering that support and reminding them to have grace and patience for their themselves and all of those things. So everyone is just like becoming that echo that echo chamber like that voice for supporting like these um, approaches with the mental health piece in there so it's like community support group and also online um self-paced course stuff and the content in there is again it's something i'm really proud of it took um quite a while to put it all together but it's all of the evidence-based skills that have to do with mindset work have to do with emotional regulation and coping and also dealing with the social aspect of dog ownership and reactive dog ownership, especially right. When there's that stigma, the judgment that you have to deal with from family and friends and like the random stranger on the street, who's like giving you a dirty look about your dog and all of that. So it has all of those elements in it. And it really, it comes together and wraps up with ways that you can find like joy and connection in your relationship with your dog, regardless of, their behavior, regardless of where you're at in your training journey, which I think is really important too. So that's kind of what coping with canines looks like. So it's got those pieces. And then for more sort of intensive and specific concerns, I do um, offer individual one-on-one coaching packages to work with owners uh, and with trainers actually too. I have a couple of dog trainers that I work with as well um, in coaching. And um, I offer a free consultation to everybody to kind of see what's the best fit for you. What kind of program would would support you the best? So can somebody just go on and sign up for your Coping with Canines program or do they have to go through the consultation call first? So you can just sign up. Um, It's it's available. It's on my website. There's a ton of information and FAQs on there and you get an overview of the program. Every um, piece of what's included in there, you can see before you sign up. You can actually do a sample lesson too. So oh, you can get a nice. Sense. Yeah, there's a sample lesson you can download um, that has worksheets, uh, a worksheet and a video that go together that's actually part of the program. So the program itself is something like 30 videos and 30 something worksheets that all go okay. together and you can you can do them in, in short little bursts too. It's like pretty manageable and bite-sized, which is nice, but 
Yes, everything is on there. You can sign up right away. But if you'd rather talk with me first to answer questions about the program or see if individual coaching is a better fit for you, um, I'm available for that too. Okay. That is awesome. So the program, can they skip around and say if like they Mm -hmm. want to touch more on the mindset aspect of it, can they go to that section and do that part first before they go back to like the emotional regulation? They can. Yes. So you can do, especially like there's a, there's a lot of people who have joined the program who are really struggling with that social piece, Mm -hmm. that stigma from family or all those things. And I, a lot of people jump to that one first. Okay. to kind of get some skills and tools for managing that. Um, that's a popular sure. one to like go to right away. So yes, you can take it in pieces um, that you need at any time. And you can also work through it start to finish. Um, and each video is really under, like I, there's not one longer than 15 minutes. Okay. So you can do them in, in bite-sized pieces. And then the worksheets are really cool because they really help you dive deeper and explore how these concepts can, you can apply them to yourself. Got it. Okay. So the community that you have, I believe that you told me before, it's like a Facebook group, a private Facebook group. Is that right? Right. So we have a private Facebook group that um, I'm answering in constantly. So Mm -hmm. there's kind of coaching all the time from me in there a little bit, which is kind of a neat way to like access me more frequently, you know, so people can ask for feedback and then they're getting feedback from everyone in, in addition to me. Um, and then there's the coaching call where we do a zoom every month, um, okay. when everyone gets together and chats and, um, all of that is obviously optional, but you know, people, I think really love the social support aspect of the program. Right. Especially if, you know, so many people are now working from home after COVID and like right. that could be their social time with people. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they live in a community that maybe they don't have a lot of other dog owner friends or dog owners that align with them, it's that time to connect with the group of people. So whenever they sign up for the program and the, uh, like Facebook group and the zoom calls, is it like a lifetime membership? Do they pay one time? Is it six months, one month? What is it? So the online course piece of the program is lifetime membership. So you always have access to the content. So the material, the lessons, the worksheets, all of that good stuff. Um, And the Facebook social support group and the monthly coaching calls are kind of a bonus to the program. Um, And I fully intend to do them as long as I possibly can, because I really, really love it. I love our Zoom call time. Um, Everyone is just so wonderful and lovely and our our talks are really helpful, I think, to everyone, because when I'm coaching someone through, you know, one of their issues, people are still learning from that, right? And taking right. from, um, and also chiming in and giving each other support about, you know, how they've dealt with this a certain situation or something like that. So um, I will do the calls and the, and the group as long as I can basically. Yeah. So this will be like forever growing one day. Like you're going to wake up and you're going to be like, my Facebook group is a hundred (laughs) people. Like how can we do a zoom call with a hundred (laughs) people? Well, I'll just add times is probably what I'll end up doing. I've thought about it. Cause I'm like, that that would be a dream of mine. Like if like I would be over the moon about that, honestly. And I was like, well, I'm going to start with once a month, but I mean, I would love to be having these conversations weekly with people. (laughs) I really Mm -hmm. would. So I hope it grows to that so I can expand the calls. Yeah, that would be amazing. And um, 
those zoom calls, I bet it's just such a good time for people to connect, whether they, you know, don't have dogs in their neighborhood or other dog owners don't align in their neighborhood. Like I know for me, I've had a really hard time finding, um, owners in this area to do like pack walks with. Yes, And so, you know, because I don't want leash on leash greetings and I, you know, I don't really want playtime. I want more like neutral walk type of thing, but with like multiple dogs. Mm -hmm. And so that has been hard for me. And it kind of goes into that like social aspect that you were talking about in your course. Right. Right. Yeah. Everyone there is, they're all going through something different with their dogs. Like their dogs have different behaviors. Um, some of it is reactivity with other dogs. Some of it is aggression with people. I mean, there's all sorts of things that people are dealing with, but the emotional impact on everyone is pretty similar. You know, we all are going through and have gone through the roller coaster of, you know, working with a challenging dog. So, uh, and people are at different points in their journey with that. So it's just really, really growing into this awesome community. I love it. What results have you seen or like what client wins have you gotten out of this program? So this, this like literally can make me tear up sometimes. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Um, so I've gotten such just amazing feedback from the participants in the group that I just am so grateful to hear from them about these things. So I've had people tell me that like, this was their last straw, like learning about this course was their last ditch effort to try something new and they were ready to give up. Mm -hmm. Um, that's where I've heard that echoed from several people is like, I was at the end of my rope. I was going to be done with, you know, working with this dog. I wasn't even sure if I could keep them. I was thinking about rehoming. I mean, there's all kinds of, um, places people kind of get to with it. I've heard, you know, from several of the participants, like this renewed my, you know, my energy, this gave me the tools that I needed that were not training related to keep myself going and recommit to this process when I was feeling like at my lowest with it. And that makes me so emotional (laughs) to think about, you know, to like have an impact in that way. And I'm so grateful um, that people kind of took a chance on it. Right. Because it's, it's a niche thing. Like oh, when so I, niche. <laughs> when I think I said this to you before, probably when we were first talking, but when I kind of started thinking about this project and thinking about how I wanted to create these, these tools and programs for other owners, I was for a long time, I've had this in the back of my head. And I was like, this is weird. No one's going to want to do this. <laughs> like, no one's going to think this is valuable. Right. And so like to be on the other side of that and know that like it has had an impact on dog on other dog owners. Like I could cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like me. thinking about like whenever I was at my lowest point with Layla, like it was the type of thing that we were considering rehoming. Um, yeah. and so like, we didn't get to the point of like actually exploring options, but it was like, we, we threw around the word of like, should, yeah. should this like, be like something that we talk about more seriously? Right. Right. And Am I the person for this dog, like right. that's a question sometimes, it's, you know, totally, totally. And it's so funny because I'm like, oh yeah, if I would have known about your course, your program, like two years ago, I signed me up. You know what I mean? Like take all of my money kind of. Thing. <laughs> so like, I 
my heart I know well. exactly. like, I just... <laughs> like I know exactly like what your you know clients are going through what the people in your course are going through um and I, I resonate with it so much it's it's like yeah please take my money yep. <laughs> help me <laughs> I would do it for free if I could so <laughs> I want to I, I do want to give as much free support as I possibly can so I do I do try to do that on Instagram like whenever oh yeah I, your Instagram reels are are a course in itself. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like a lot of reactive dog owners are very self-aware and kind of notice their actions. Um, but for the people that like, maybe don't have a dog or they don't have a challenging dog and they don't like realize how much of like the mental health and emotional well-being can affect your dog and vice versa. Right. What do you like say to those people or have you ever like had an encounter with those people? So I think that, um, with the dog, like dog owners, like you said, especially those who are really, really mindful, really aware that, you know, they are impacting their dog in some way, but they don't necessarily know how, or like what to do about that or what to do with that. I try to start with you know, reminding folks that there's a cycle, right? It connects our thoughts, our feelings, and then ultimately our behavior. And anybody can really identify that cycle that shows up in all kinds of different ways in your own life, in, in all sorts of areas, not just with your dog. So, you know, with dog owners, especially, like you said, they know they're impacting their dogs and it's that thought feeling behavior cycle. That's, that's the huge part of it, right? Mm -hmm. So noticing those tiny actions that are impacting them, bringing awareness, like we talked about before, to kind of the origin of that. It can be minor things. It's the tense body language. It's holding the leash extra tight. It's it's being distracted. So your timing ends up being off. So that's really what I tell people. Like, this is how that cycle shows up in this relationship and how you're impacting your dog um, in all kinds of ways. And it can be positive or negative, like you can use that cycle to your advantage, right? Which yeah. is what people do. Um, but little behaviors, like little subtle things say a lot to your dog and they come ultimately from what we're thinking and what we're feeling. So we talk about this a lot in the program and it's really about where you start to recognize that instant thought, that instant reaction that you're having to something. And usually that thought is inaccurate or unhelpful in some Mm -hmm. way or another. Right. And we don't often notice how quickly those thoughts happen, or even that we've had them sometimes. So once we've had a thought it, we're left with the the feeling from it, right. Right. We're left with the emotion that it kind of leaves behind. And from there is where we tend to act. And that's where like our behavior changes and where we kind of come, we, you know, it comes from. So if we can intervene at the thought level with our mindset, shifting our mindset, we can then shift our emotion and shift our behavior with our dogs. And when we're working with them and it ends up looking different, it's subtle, Mm -hmm. but it ends up looking different. And it certainly feels a lot better (laughs) to, you know, when we start to shift those, those thoughts, um, into a more helpful place. Yes. So that's kind of how the process plays out. Like in a nutshell, I mean, I like oversimplified it probably, but that's kind of the core of, how people really are impacting, you know, their training work and mm-hmm. impacting their dogs. So going off of that, I actually want to do like a little example where I'm yeah. going to kind of tell you something that has like happened in our life. Like it was 
the breaking point for me Mm -hmm. and kind of where I was and what had happened with Layla. And then I want you to, you know, just kind of give like a little glimpse of what you might say to somebody that came to you with this kind of problem, whether it be like the coping strategy or first steps kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So two years ago, um, it was probably, it wasn't quite two years ago. It was, it would be about two years in like September. Um, we had a horrible encounter with our landlord, um, a very, very horrible experience. And she was coming over unannounced and she was very chaotic whenever she was coming over. Um, and I worked from home. So it was typically just me and Layla at the house whenever she would come over and, whenever she would come over unannounced, um, you know, I was already very anxious because of the whole situation and just having anxiety in general at this time. I didn't, I wasn't on medication. I wasn't in therapy. I wasn't like actively really seeking help. Mm -hmm. Um, and whenever she would come over, I would rush Layla into the crate Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden one day out of the blue, out of the blue in quotations, quotations, Um, Layla started to become aggressive when we put her in her crate Mm -hmm. and, you know, it was at first just like a growl kind of like sticking her head through the door, like not really wanting us to close the door. Um, and then it like escalated into barking, coming out of the crate, just very anxious when going in, she would learn the routine of when we were going to put her in her crate and would become anxious before then. In turn, you know, I would be anxious to put her up. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was, I, Bobby was going on trips during the time. So I was like the only one at the house and she was still a puppy. So I knew like she needed to be in her crate because she's a puppy, but also because like I was going to go insane. Right. (laughs) Right. And then, um, you know, whenever she would have these like aggressive reactions, I would break down. You know, I'm already really, really bad. And it's like one of my main triggers of like dealing with intense conversations. And to me, this was an intense conversation between me and my dog. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I would freeze. I would cry. I would break down. Um, it was just, you know, very stressful and it got me to my breaking point of when we were like, should we like, should we rehome her? Should we think about rehoming her? What do we do? Um, And it was like at that moment where I started seeking out more training Mm -hmm. and um, for her, but I wasn't really looking internally at myself and like my overall emotional well-being and situation. Um, And it wasn't really until like a year later that I kind of learned about how my emotions really played an effect on this whole crate situation. Right. So I want to know, like, if somebody came to you with that kind of like, this is Mm -hmm. what my dog is doing. And like, I feel this way. What would you tell them? So I love this example. And I will just tell you why quickly first, because it's a perfect way to highlight, like, I'm not a trainer. Mm -hmm. And yet I do think that this, this work can help with a situation like this. And it's not training. It's not dog training, right? It's mindset training and things like that for the humans. So first off, it starts with our thoughts right? So you had, you were in situations where you had to rush her into her crate quickly at times. It was a high stress moment for you, um, for a lot of reasons, I'm sure. So I would start with, you know, asking someone to to sort of 
write down or think about what were some of the thoughts that popped into your head in those moments, right? So was it something like, if I don't get her in here, something bad's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It, you know, what can you, can you think of anything that popped into your mind? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I know it was like a lot of, I had a lot of fear towards the old landlord. Right. Yeah, and right. so it was like, I have to keep Layla safe. Like if mm-hmm. she's out, like I have to keep her safe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just was already like very, I had a lot of like made up scenarios in my head, right? Like a lot of ways that something bad could have happened. And so it was like, I have to do this for her safety. I have to do this so that like our landlord doesn't use this against us for, Mm -hmm. you know, because she would, um, it was just so intense. I would make up all these like very, in my mind, realistic scenarios of, all right. I mean, it's, that's one of the tricky things about this though, is that sometimes there is a little bit of evidence to say right. that our thoughts, right. It's not that our thoughts are always irrational, mm-hmm. right. When, especially when we have dogs with challenges, like we might have evidence to say like, he might, you know, react in this situation or Layla might have a hard time with the landlord. Right. So it's coming from a place that your brain thinks is like, it's protecting you because there's right. all these possibilities. But what I heard there is something bad will happen, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because <laughs> you can, all the scenarios just spiral off of that core thought, right? Okay. I don't get her into this crate within t- 2.5 seconds. Right. Quickly, something, very, right, very quickly. Right now, right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> something bad will happen. So if we just go with the thought, something bad will happen. What are some of the feelings that come up when you have that thought? Oh my goodness. (laughs) Like, I think my most initial reaction is always like freeze. Sure. Right. Like my body kind of freezes, but my mind is going a million miles per minute of all the different scenarios. And so it's just like a very intense panic feeling. Yep. Panic. Yes. Right. I'm because freeze is a behavior. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So right? I guess the feeling is like panic freezes panic. the behavior. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's fear, it's panic, it's anxiety. It's all that. Right. So first piece of the puzzle is our thought. Something bad will happen mm-hmm. from there. We have an emotional response to that thought, which is panic, fear, anxiety. And then when you're feeling that way, right. When you're in the panic state, when you're anxious and fearful, how are you likely to act? I'm reactive. Sure. Of course. <laughs> right. I, as a human am reactive. <laughs> right. Of course you are. It t- makes total sense. How could you behave differently from mm-hmm. that emotional state? Right. So if you just look at it in that like linear fashion with like what the cycle is, you can't act calm. You can't be chill if you're not chill. <laughs> Right. It doesn't work that way. I can't like mask the panic unless I just become straight up helpless. Right. So you're not going to approach Layla from the emotional place that you want to with the thought something bad will happen. And then boom, your body's in panic response. And then you're frozen. You're trying to, or you're trying to rush her into the crate, throw her in there in this stressful, you know, manner that feels like chaotic to her chaotic to you. Right. And so 
you have all of these subtle behavioral, or maybe not so subtle, I don't know, behavioral changes that come from that space, that, Mm -hmm. you know, that emotional space. And we can't change the behavior very easily when we're in that emotional space, right? So it's going to be really hard for me to tell you, Carolyn, just calm down, put her in the crate calm when you're like, ah, you know, like when you're absolutely losing it in that moment, right? And then Layla is going to develop a behavior in response to your behavior. Mm-hmm. It's subtle to you, but that's the ripple effect. Yes. Right. So that's how that process played out for you in those moments. And then it probably just, there were probably all sorts of things that like made it sort of grow from there. Oh yeah, for you sure. Know? Because she, she learned the routine, like I said, and so sure. she would know after our afternoon walk, she would typically go into the crate for a couple hours. And then, you know, at night after our nighttime walk, she would go into the crate for bed. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point that like, whenever I would take her out, we'd go for our walk, I'd come back in and I would be going to take the leash off and she would get really tense. And then I would be like, why are you really tense? Why are you looking (laughs) at me that way? And then I would get, you know, hesitant and really flinchy. And then it like, then it wasn't just the crate. It was like the moments leading up to it. Right. So the cycle showed up again. Oh yeah. Right. So then you're taking her inside you. She knows it's crate time. You see her getting tense and you have an automatic thought about that. Mm -hmm. Right. So your automatic thought there is like, she's probably going to react. This is going to be really hard, right? Whatever it is. So like your first thought was about the other situation with the landlord was like something bad will happen. So now you're in the cycle again where you're like, she's tense. This is going to go horribly. This is going to be a disaster. Right. And again, you're fearful, you're anxious, you're tense. Mm -hmm. And then your behavior subtly change as a result of where you are emotionally in that moment. So there's like, there's two ways the cycle has showed up for you and it just does it over and over again. Right. So does your program like go through and after kind of naming, like this is the cycle, does it say here's like maybe a handful of things that you can try to cope with it. Yes. So, so we will leave that for the people <laughs> to see. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's, so that's the next step, right? Is recognizing. Well, so like I said before, awareness is the key. So we're going to mm-hmm. spend a ton of time bringing awareness to this cycle, finding where it shows up for you. Um, and then the next piece is, okay, where do I intervene and how do I intervene? Okay. It's all, it's great to know where it's coming from. That's actually really powerful to know where it's coming from in and of itself without even touching it or reframing it or anything. Um, but there are things to kind of do to kind of step in earlier. Right. Right. And maybe if you don't step in earlier to reflect on it later in an effective way too. So yeah, there's a lot of pieces, um, in there to address that. Yes. Okay. I love that. And I will leave that piece for everyone to go and figure out on their own, all the coping techniques, (laughs) but I will say I, so this was something that happened to us. Like I said, it was probably almost two years ago. Um, this time last year, I, I have a really amazing trainer that not only takes my, my dog's emotions and behaviors into account, but also mine. Mm -hmm. And, uh, whenever, some of this, uh, crate aggression, even though it wasn't as intense, I started to see signs of it again around this time last year. And we talked about what, you know, I went through whenever it first started happening, some of the anxiety I was having this time last year and kind of like, you know, what could I do to, to help 
kind of the thing that we ended up um, coming to was the main object was to not rush her into the crate. Mm-hmm. So that was like the main guiding thing that I was, if, if nothing else, if I can't do anything else, I will not rush her into the crate. I will, you know, sit in there for five, 10, 15 minutes, whatever it takes so that we are both at like a very stable, calm place when I actually go to close the crate door because the, um, the aggression wasn't when she was in the crate. Mm -hmm. It was whenever you were going to close the door. Right. That was like something very specific. So it was unlike any other, um, challenge I had. I like, I never heard of any other dog owner going through this very specific challenge of it was only when you were closing the door. Right. Um, so it's very much like a barrier right. type of thing. Um, and that was like really hard for me. I felt very alone because I was like, I don't know how to fix this problem. You know, you would Google like crate problems, dog or crate challenges, dog, whatever. Right. And everything would be about separation anxiety. And so oh, yeah. I was like, what do I do? Because I have no idea. Right. Um, Right. And so, you know, we're past that now. I know how to work through it. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. I mean, you had to dig to the origin though, right? Right. Totally. And that's for both of you. That's for you and for Layla Mm -hmm. to kind of figure out where, where it came from and then how it, like I said, like grew from there. Totally. Yeah. I didn't want to leave people on a cliffhanger though. Wondering, (laughs) did she ever get through that? (laughs) Yeah. I wouldn't wouldn't be doing this podcast right now (laughs) if I didn't get through it. (laughs) <laughs> I wouldn't have started my program if I hadn't gotten through some of the stuff that we totally not to say that it's perfect because you know it's not for anybody ever right but um you know there there are things that you can do to intervene both from a training standpoint and from you know the the aspect of yourself and how what you bring to the table right okay so before we wrap everything up um I have one question and then we have a little surprise at the end Um, so what does having a dog mom mentality mean to you? So this is a great question because I feel like the answer has probably changed right over the course of my time being a dog. Eight years. Yeah. I mean, I cannot believe it's been that long. And like, I, you know, my relationship with him has just like deepened and changed in so many ways over time, which is like such a beautiful thing to reflect on. And so thinking about what, what does a dog mom mentality mean to me is different now probably than it used to be. And I think where I've landed with it is that it really just means taking care of myself so I can take care of my dog, you know? So having that balance, like we talked about before, the best thing that I can give Dio is me. So that's, that's probably the meaning of, you know, dog mom mentality is we're the whole world to them you know, we really are. And that's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing, but it's a really big responsibility. And so I want to be fully present for him. And if I, if I want to commit to doing what it takes for him to have the best life that he can have, then I have to prioritize myself. Like there is no way around that. So that's probably the mentality that I'm really like connected to now is my needs are important and his needs are important and they go hand in hand. Yes. And uh, you said like, give him all of you, like your most fulfilled part of you, your most like fun, your most loving, giving all of that. And so part of that, right. right, So part of that is like being able to fill up your own cup. Absolutely. I mean, you can't, you can't give anyone those things and like that version of you, if you're depleted, 
Right. You know, and so I used to feel like it was train, train, train all the time. And it was, we need to be, and we were, I mean, we were in group class, private lessons, pack walks, socialization stuff, like several times a week for a long time. And I don't regret all of that. I mean, that was a really, um, like, it was an amazing time in and of itself to be doing that work, but I really thought that's what had to happen. And that needed to happen in addition to me recognizing that I need to be able to show up fully for him. Right. Okay. So the surprise (laughs) that we have, um, Jess has been so gracious to give the listeners a little discount code for her program. So if you just want to say like where, you know, they can find that discount, I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, but kind of like what the discount is for. Sure. So it's, I uh, just want to extend a, like a coupon code for coping with canines um, to the, the dog mom mentality community. So it would be 10% off the price of the course. Um, there's a code you can put in. I made it dog mom 22. So mm-hmm. um, all one word dog mom 22, it'll stay active through the end of this year, through the end of 2022. Um, and you can link it in the show notes too. So they can click the link and it'll automatically be applied from that link that you have up. Okay. Or when you go to my website, you can put in the the code as well. Okay. Amazing. Yes. So I will have that in the show notes. Everyone go check it out. And you, you heard that example. And so that was like kind of just the beginning. Right. And then you would go on to learn about the different coping mechanisms that you could use to apply alongside with the community support on the Facebook page and the zoom calls that Jess does. Yep. Absolutely. All that and more probably to come. Hopefully I have so much like planned. My brain just like keeps expanding and thinking of new things that I want to create for everyone. So I love that. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Well, Jess, thank you so, so much for coming on. Um, just before we wrap up, tell everyone where they can find you on Instagram and, uh, your website, which both of those will be in the show notes, but give us a little, little heads up. You can find me at handlers and humans on Instagram and also handlers and humans.com on my website. So we've got all the information about DONI on there. You can access, like I said, a sample lesson from the course. You can watch a free one hour webinar um, on the website as well. That gives you actually some t- concrete tools that you can implement right away. So there's a lot on the website too. Okay. Amazing. Yes. Jess, thank you so, so much. Thank you. Um, I appreciate you for coming on and sharing all of your expert knowledge in therapy and just by being a dog owner. So I hope everyone gets a chance to go check out your page and your offerings. And I'm just, I'm really excited for everyone to, to get this piece of the toolkit. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited about doing this. Like we talked about before, I found you early on in my journey with this project. And I was like, I can't, I really like love listening to all of her podcasts and I really want to connect with her. So this is like a really great highlight moment for me too. So thank you so, so much. Oh, of course. Okay. Thanks everyone for listening. And I hope you have a fabulous day and happy dog training with Coping with Canines. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Dog Mom Mentality Podcast. My name is Caroline. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Dog Mom Mentality. And if you haven't already, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.
subscribe wherever you are listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And if nothing else, I hope you get to play with your dog today.